We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. And today I have a special co-host, Craig McEwen. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. I'm Craig McEwen, CEO of Red Sail Technologies. Super excited to be joining us. So today our guests are Steve Lawrence, the current president of EHR Data and Red Cell board member, and also Ted Frank, managing partner of Market Cipher Capital and Red Cell board member. Both of them have an extensive history in the independent pharmacy world and pharmacy in general, and we're going to learn a lot about that today. Ted or Steve, do either of you have any musical ability? No, I wish I did, but I have none. I, I used to be a, uh, when I was a kid, I was a trumpet player, but I really? figured out, yeah, I figured out, and I was second chair in the Youth Symphony Orchestra in Cincinnati. Wow. My, my problem was I was very good technically, so you give me music and I could play it. Um, put me in a jazz band and I looked like a fish flopping on the, you know, on dry <laughs> land. So there was no innate musical ability. There was technical skill. Ah. So I, I stopped. I got a scholarship offer in college, and I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think so. So I stopped. That's, that's still quite impressive, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no. So you were an accountant even back then, right? Yeah, that's right. It seems like perfect. <laughs> yep, yep. So welcome, everyone. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you, uh, everyone. The technology is working great today, so we all get to start Ooh. on a good uh, piece. so exciting. Um, I already gave Craig my warning, but I'm just telling you my day started with sarcasm, so I may be a little <laughs> sarcastic today. I, uh, I asked Alexa, so when it rains, I take my truck, and when it doesn't rain, I take my Jeep. So I asked Alexa, what's the chance of rain today? And she said, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good chance, man. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good chance. I just think, and I thought to myself, how creative is that, right? She could have just plugged in and said, it's 100%, right? But she said, it's raining. It's raining. I thought that was was really good. So um, we're going to kind of keep it. If you could tell Alexa to wash your Jeep, Alexa would be much more useful. Much more useful. Yes, that's true. Well, I try not to wash the Jeep. I keep the Jeep in the garage. That's why I don't take it out when it's raining. So. I, I kind of just touch it. They have this wash, um, waterless car wash stuff that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of spray it yeah. on, wipe it off, as long as you don't get it very dirty. And so yeah. I, don't, I only have to wash. I know I sound really bougie right now, right? And it's washless car wash. It's literally not that nice, but um, we'll go there. So, so we'll be uh, Craig will be co-hosting today. So, so Craig, you'll be asking more questions than really nobody will be asking you questions. Hopefully. Um, mm. although that's a new picture behind you, where'd that come from? Uh, well, I, I got tired of all of our fake backgrounds. And so <laughs> I, I got this to a little subtle red cell branding behind me. How hard yeah, was it to find good. a sailboat with a red sail? It, it, it took one evening on Amazon huh. with two glasses of wine. I was like, is that, is that like, is it like titled devil's triangle or something? <laughs> no, I don't know what it's titled, but, but, um, I'm, I'm 
I'm liking it. It's serving its purpose. Almost every podcast I'm on or video call I'm on, folks are, are uh, recognizing it. Somebody, so, uh, awesome. somebody recognizes your picture. Yeah, that's nice. very, very cheap branding. It's wonderful. So you, you, you actually have a second job. You could be searching for gifts for people. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I guess, something. Yeah. And I, I kind of do enjoy doing that, actually. But, uh, <laughs> Two glass yeah, of wine, who can excited. find anything? This, this is, an, this is the, a first for us doing podcasts with board members. This is... This is a first. Yeah, hope, hopefully it won't be the last. Hopefully it won't be the last. <laughs> All right, so we will spend a little bit of time just for people who don't know you guys. I mean, the, the deal here is we could talk. Both of you are super, super interesting. We could talk about your background, probably either one of you for an hour and all of the cool things that you've done in your life. Um but just want to spend a few minutes on that because there's stuff we want to talk about. We want to talk about pharmacy and kind of, you know, some of the decisions you guys made and where you see it going and, and where you see Pioneer and Red Cell, uh, you know, going together. But let's start off uh, just, just, Ted, for those people who don't know you, um, if you could just give us a, a few minutes of your background and um, some of the exciting things that you've done. Yeah, sure. I mean, exciting. That's a that's a high bar. <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll take a crack. Well, it's kind of, we, we set the high bar with the trumpet, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, everything's downhill from here, but we're going to give it go. a shot. There we go. Um, so a uh, little bit of personal background, married, have two kids and a daughter-in-law. Um, actually my daughter-in-law just, it's kind of ironic that I'm doing a podcast. She just hosted her first two hours on NPR this morning Wow! out in out California. So that was, that was very, very exciting. Uh, my other son, uh, well, uh, her husband, uh, my son actually works at NPR as well. And I've got another son <laughs> who, who's, uh, I- interestingly, the last I heard was in Two Sleep, Wyoming, because that's where you go if you're a climber and you want to find a climbing partner. Um, so he's he's taken a gap year, uh, graduated physics and going to do a master's um, after he's done with his gap year. Anyway, grew up in grew up in Ohio, been in Ohio my my entire life for the most part. Um you know, on an, on a, for entertainment and for fun, uh, what most people don't know, although I think you guys know, I do have an RV and we like to camp. So yeah. we, uh, we spend a good four to six months a year or four, six weeks a year traveling around the country. Uh, Where, so where's pretty, the latest trip been? Uh, the last trip was to Maine. So we went up to, uh, see Acadia, uh, oh, yeah. my brother Acadia's and brother-in-law was in Freeport. Oh my God. It was, it was phenomenal. And we just missed the uh, the surge because I think all of New England goes to Acadia over the summer. Yeah. And we we went there the week before school let out and thank God because it looked like a parking lot. <laughs> I mean just for So that sounds really cool, except for the internet. How's the what do you do for internet when you're that's a, that's problematic. Um, yeah. so I, I generally use my hotspot. Um, we're and and we're not like my son that's going out in the middle of nowhere. We tend to stop it campgrounds okay um, so the campgrounds worst case you you tap into their wi-fi yep yeah so anyway on to the you know the business stuff I, I guess rather than giving you guys a a long history of companies that i've done I, I try to break it down into career phases my first was a finance stage so think about that as you know you're going through college you get your finance degree started out my career as a banker not not as an investment banker but as a commercial lender uh, working with companies in a variety of different industries, but primarily media, um, so radio, television, stuff like that. I thought it was a great history. Um, you know, a couple of different banks through mergers um, learned a lot. You know, if you understand how companies make money, um, you can be a better entrepreneur. At least I I feel that way. Which was really the second stage of my career was becoming an entrepreneur, 
did that. I was in banking for about seven years and a professor in my MBA program asked if I'd be interested in being an entrepreneur. At first, I thought he was nuts, um, you know, suggesting <laughs> You told that, him the story the about I... the trumpet and the jazz. <laughs> <and> you're <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like... need that playbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So became an entrepreneur, a long story short, became an entrepreneur. And I spent, uh, you know, a decade learning how to be a good entrepreneur um, in companies ranging from we did media or uh, did convention planning software. Um, so if you have you ever been to a large convention, um, just that's a couple actually times in this industry. <laughs> yeah, just a couple times. That's a massive undertaking. And our chairman of that company uh, owned the largest convention planning firm in the world, booked more group guest rooms huh. um, than any other company based in Twinsburg, Ohio, little wow. suburb wow. of Cleveland. Um, so interesting. So we we built out a uh, a company that that tried th- that was an industry that was changing a lot. You know, much like the the pharmacy business has been changing. Um, so we had to help our customers and help our um, even the hotel companies emerge into a new world where technology was becoming more and more important. Um, so did that and then started a, another company that was in the um, in the compliance space. So dealing with regulations and how do you grow quickly while you're managing that and complying? Yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot of interesting things there. We built that up. Um, and then I exited and kind of moved into what I would consider my scale or my growth phase. Um, so that's where you, you know, you have a company that that is uh, in a good spot and you got to figure out how to scale the heck out of it. Um, so there were a couple of companies. One was in the expense management software industry, and uh, we scaled that. We grew that company 50 percent a quarter um, and a company felt like they needed to own us. So they came in and preemptively bought it. Um, and then I, I jumped in to cover my meds. Um, I was actually on the funding side. So I, I did venture capital for a couple of years and met wow. the uh, the incredible team at Cover My Meds and um, was on their board for a while and then joined as their chief financial officer back in 2013. And the game there was how do you how do you really scale the heck out of that that business? Because there was a clear market need and um, we built it from essentially nothing in five, six years, we had a couple thousand employees. And I think probably most people in this industry understand um, the story of Cover My Meds. So, so there, there's probably some folks that, that don't, I mean, maybe kind of a, a couple sentences on on the Cover My Meds story. And, and yeah, what- sure. I'm happy to do that. So uh, actually, our founders um, had been in the, in, you know, in a variety of segments in the healthcare industry and the pharmaceutical and the pharmacy industry. And they saw that more than 50% of people that got a prescription that was prior auth, right? So if a prior authorization was presented in the pharmacy, more than 50% of those people never went on medication. Like that, that's just a stunning yeah. number. Um, and, you know, these are people who, you know, in some cases they're desperately needed. They, many of them are older, they're on multiple medications. In the process of dealing with a, a stop like that, you know, the prior authorization um, is, at least back then, was terribly confusing. A lot of phone calls, dealing with the insurance company, dealing with the pharmacy. Um, so they they knew that something needed to happen. Um, there were every single insurance company, every uh, you know, all the PBMs. They all had different forms, different processes. Even the doctors and and the doctors' offices didn't really know what to do, and and the pharmacies. Um, it took a lot of time. And um, 
you know, technology affords an, an opportunity to yep. change things. And um, so back in 2000 and God, I hate to go back that far, 2007, 2008 um, was when um, the, 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 you know, Alan, Matt and Sam, the three founders of the company decided, you know, uh, we can do this, we can fix this. So what they did, long story short, is say, we need to build a solution that helps everyone win in this market. So think about the network effect that exists. You've got the pharmacies, you've got the pharma companies, you've got the, the patients, the doctors. Um, the, everyone is, is involved in this process. And the only way you could create a better process is that everybody plays ball. Everybody right. understands they need to plug into this multi-sided network. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do because often people say that they want to, or, or at least they think internally, they may not voice it, but they want the, the win that maximizes it for them, right? They the, yep. think about the pharma company or the doctor or the pharmacy. They, they want the win for them to be as big as possible. Um, you know, that doesn't work all the time in a in a network where you've got to have everybody playing ball, everybody participating. So you got to figure out how do you balance out that mutual win. And that's that's really the secret sauce for what happened at Cover My Meds is we figured out how to provide that win. So you, you couldn't go to the you know, pharmacies didn't implement the prior authorization process. Um, so it's tough to go to them and say, hey, you guys, you know, congratulations. <laughs> you know, you need to pay money to solve the prior authorization problem. Right. Not, not, not a fair thing to say. Doctors, same, same thing. You know, you can't go to the doctors and say, Hey, congratulations. There's now a new process for the insurance companies. You're going to pay extra money to, to manage that process. So what, what, what cover my meds and the founders of cover my meds did is they figured out how to build a good solution. So you could, they, they took, I mean, it was a very pick and shovel <laughs> effort at the beginning, getting every single, prior authorization form that they could find and digitizing it, right? So the, at the beginning, we had 15,000 forms. At the end, we probably had 40,000 forms wow. That, wow. that applied for different drugs, different you know insurance companies, different plans within each insurance company um, had different requirements. So we digitized that. Um, and, you know, that, again, pick and shovel work. We went to the pharmacies and said to the pharmacies, we will work with all of you. Right. We here's a solution. You're not going to pay, um, you know, and we tried to, to make that as seamless into the workflow process as possible. You know, and then the doctors, I mean, sadly, back yep. in the early days, it was fax based. So we were sending, you know, I mean, in the early days we were sending dozens of faxes. And then, you know, in, within a few years, we were sending, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of faxes. At the end, it was a, you know millions of facts, or you know, maybe not millions of faxes, but millions of PAs. As they became more and more digital, we could digitize that whole process. Um, so it it got to the point with Cover My Meds, where again we were that was another case of for seven eight years we grew that company a hundred percent a year, um, you know. But but it was it was strictly demand, right? That there was a significant demand, but we never measured our performance based upon any metric other than the number of patients that we've helped and that logarithmic scale, you could just see yep. it, it shot up, you know, month after month after month. So maybe a little bit more detail yeah. than it's, you wanted. You Craig, know, one of those things interesting is, interesting is story. pioneer and cover my meds kind of grew up together. So, yeah. um, 
we spent a couple of years building Pioneer, and and when we decided that hey, it was time to go to the world, um, uh, kind of right before that, I went to NCPA in Philadelphia, I think, uh, as a kind of a pre. I need to look around. I need to see what our booth needs to look like. This kind of thing. And one of the booths I came across was a ten by ten cover my meds had one person in it. <laughs> Right. And, yeah, and three people in the company. Yeah. And yeah, um, I think it was Sam. And, and I talked to him about what they were doing. And I got really excited about that. And I said, this is awesome idea. Uh, we're going to be the first independent pharmacy system to put this in the workflow and integrate it. And uh, we integrated the heck out of it. We made it super easy. We posted the data up and uh, we sold a lot of pharmacy systems because of that. And, and one of the really smart things Cover My Meds did, and it would have been really easy to go, hey, no, you know, we need to only do this for the ones where pharma's paying, right? So we need to, you know, if they're not paying, we can't do it because we do it for every one of them. Pharma, why would pharma do it if, oh, well, you're doing it for me anyway. But they hit the I believe and they were able to sell it and they they did it for everybody, all all prior offs, irrespective of what they were doing. And, and you'll hear a little competitors try to pop up here and there today. And, and they're saying they're just going to do it for covered stuff, uh, whether that be the more detailed specialty. And, and I'm like, yeah, you don't, you don't. Yeah, so we want to revert to the to the situation we had 15 years ago yeah. where it becomes a nightmare process. Yep, yeah. yep. No, that, that doesn't work. And, and I got to say, you know, Jeff, you guys in the early days, that was that was a gutsy move. You know, no one knew if the, this was going to be successful. I mean, we hoped it would be successful, but Pioneer was a was an incredible partner, um, and you know, really contributed to the success of the company. So it was a it was a neat partnership. Yep, and is a neat partnership. Yeah. So, Steve, let, let's uh, move over to you. Every every time I hear your background, I get unbelievably humbled at what I'll never know in pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. So, but um. Yeah, about me. Uh, my wife and I have two kids. Um, we have a young aspiring lawyer. My daughter's a lawyer and my son is in financial planning. Um, so both out of college, thank goodness, got through all that. And uh, they're, they're doing well, so we're proud of them. Nice. Um, from a professional uh, career, my brother and I started a pharmacy software company called Renlar Systems, much like Pioneer back in uh, 1980 uh, with a pharmacist named Bill Reynolds. So Renlar is Reynolds and Lawrence. Um, we had that crazy. for about 16 years. Um, he's Bill Reynolds sold out early, like in the mid eighties to a wholesale, uh, drug wholesale company called Chapman drug company in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so we started in the mid eighties, writing a lot of ordering software for wholesalers. Um, and then Cardinal bought Chapman drug company. So we became part of Cardinal health, Cardinal health bought the rest of our company in like 1996. Um, and so then we became part of Cardinal. Uh, I was born and raised in Kentucky. Uh, Renlar was in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, both my brother and I moved up to Dublin, Ohio, to Columbus's head or to uh, Cardinal's headquarters um, in the 96, 97 time frame. Um, I was then asked to. Yeah, let's move take a, let's to, take a, just a short pause there, Steve. What yeah. was pharmacy like in 1980? <laughs> mm. So our our goal, so it was funny when you talk about cover meds. Uh, my brother and I, um, our goal was to do two things in pharmacy, get rid of typewriters and get rid of bait stamps. <laughs> so in 1980, actually, most only 10% of the pharmacies were computerized. Wow. Um, 
And so you had a lot of typewriters. You still had the bait stamp where you stamp the prescription number. Um, you do triplicate for controlled substances, all that stuff. And so, um, you know. Was it satellite yeah. adjudication, no real-time adjudication? There was. There were really no third parties at that time. There was uh, universal claim forms came out in like 1981, 82. Uh, basically, UMWA, the United Mine Workers, did universal claim forms you could print, and then you'd submit them in. Um, and we printed claim forms till, oh, probably the mid-80s before Gosh. any kind of wow. electronic adjudication came out. So it was probably... I don't know when the first electronic adjudication was, but it was probably PCS as they moved from universal claim forms into electronic, probably in the mid to late 80s. And did y'all do the satellites for the first adjudication or did y'all skip right to to modem based? We skipped right to modem. Okay. Yeah, we did it across the telephone wires. You know, you had the old modems that, um, and, and you did ordering that way with the old couplers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we went straight that way. We didn't do the satellites crazy so it's a different world so yeah no part d no dr fees no government and half of pharmacy well, i mean almost all you know you go back pre-1980s pharmacy was all cash you know there were no pharmacy benefits in health care for employers or the government you mm. know and so it you know like i said united mine workers were one of the first uh, and then pcs started then you started getting employers given prescription benefits and then obviously Later on, the government gave large prescription benefits, so now nobody pays for prescriptions. I uh, I took the Biven kids to uh, dinner last night while their parents went out to some fancy steakhouse, but it was their their first day back to school, and and their youngest is starting eighth grade, little boy named Cohen, and he was all excited about his friends, and you know it's so cool that the friends group has been together all this time, and and all pumped up, and um, we moved his parents from Mansfield back when we started this office here in Irving and, and every couple of months back then I would go, Cohen, are you, you glad you've moved now? Do you still want to go to back to Mansfield? Yeah, I still want to go back to Mansfield. So I took this opportunity now to, um, and I think that was, he was in like second grade back then or something. I, I took this opportunity last night. He was all excited and pumped up. And I was like, Cohen, so I've got to ask the question. Do you want to go back to Mansfield? And he looked at me and said, Mr. Jeff, times were just simpler then. <laughs> yeah that is great that is good so when i think about your kid. history and all the stuff you've done steve i just think about times were simpler then so it's it's been fun but i've been dealing with pharmacy all my career you know a lot of time in small retail independence i mean uh, like you know jeff i i know and love many of your customers all across the country i've known them for my whole entire professional career and um they're Retail independent pharmacists are unique individuals, and if you ever meet one um, and go to dinner, you could ask them to tell a story that they don't tell people about what they've done for their community, and it, it'll it'll shock you what they've each yeah, one of them have done. I, always surprised at all the places that you've been and all the people you know. I I, I can think back to a time a couple of months ago we had somebody we were trying to convince to get pioneer and they were a formal cardinal customer and everywhere and i said hey i'll call steve and and see if steve can give him a call and i i called and, and steve answered the phone i said hey do you know so and so and can you give him a call he said yeah we're riding in the car together they go play golf right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were <laughs> i was like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, so with, with the brain power that that, that we've got here and the experience in pharmacy and, and frankly, just experience growing 
companies and being entrepreneurial uh, with the, the three of you. Um, put in context of kind of pharmacy today. So what gets you excited about independent pharmacy today? Where do you see growth being able to occur? You know, the funny part about my career is um, almost since I got in the business, everybody said retail dependents were going to go away. Yeah. Um, I've heard that from mid mid 80s to the 90s. I heard it probably two weeks ago. Right. Um, there's 22,000 retail independents and there's been 22,000 for many, many years. Um, the thing that people don't understand is healthcare. when you get down to it and we're all healthcare consumers, it's local. Right. You can do a national plan. You can have free health care. None of that matters. What matters when you're sick is the people that are taking care of you know you and understand you and take care of you. That's why retail independents are never going to go out of business. They're mm -hmm. local in the rural and the urban areas, and they take care of the sick and the poor. Um, if you go to a large, and nothing against large um, big box pharmacies, but you don't talk to pharmacists. You get your prescription, you sign a pad, and you talk to a cashier and you leave. You know, if you're sick and you go to an independent, that independent will stop what they're doing, come out from behind the counter, go over in a corner and walk, walk you through what your problem is, what do you need, how can they help you, and they'll take care of you. And so the neat thing that I see is as more and more clinical things are being pushed down, you look at what happened, what used to you go to the hospital for, now you go to day surgery centers. What you used to go to the doctor for, you now go to an allergist to get a shot. Or you go to the pharmacy to get a flu shot or all yeah. kinds of things. And so more and more clinical stuff is coming into the pharmacy space. And their retail independents are perfect for that. They're clinicians. That's what they want to do. They just have to figure out how to get paid for it. And now you're starting to see them getting paid for clinical services. And I think that's a huge growth area for them. I could chime in. Um, you know, the, one of the businesses that I'm most involved in right now is a healthcare training company. So we're we're dealing with, you know, the provision of care um, in healthcare, and it's already difficult to find yep. resources and to get care. Um, I was just having a conversation with a, a woman that runs um, the oncology support kind of function for a big health system. They have eight openings for care coordinators, their problem isn't hiring the people that apply. Their problem is they're literally not getting applications. Wow. Like they can't source people even to apply for the job. So, you know, that's, that's, that's today's world. If yep. you look out over the next decade, the, the number of people that are 65 and older is going to increase almost 50%, right? You've got a population that's not growing. So the pyramid is becoming a column um, in our in our country, and in that next decade, you know, think about the retirements that are going to happen in key areas of our health system. I mean, everything from you know certified nurse assistants to nurses to paramedics to physicians. We actually it looks like we have a shortage in the next decade of about three hundred thousand physicians in this country. So if you think it's bad now. It's going to be significantly worse in the in the future. So why do I get excited about independent pharmacy? Because that it is a an absolutely critical point of care in our health world, right? In the health system and in the in in, in the provision of healthcare to Americans. 
So th this, to me, is an opportunity to be involved in a, in a company and in an industry that's going to transform over the next decade for in, in many good ways. Um, so, you know, we, we could talk all a, a lot about the, the aspects or the, the, the attributes of um, the pharmacies and what they can do to be successful. But the reality is this is we're sitting at the at the precipice or, you know, the beginning of, I, I think, a once in a lifetime opportunity for independent pharmacies to be an important, very, very, you know, to enhance their importance in the health system. Yeah. So, so I've been thinking about, um, I usually in October, I usually speak, uh, before the second NCPA general session. So I've been thinking a lot about what my speech is going to be about. And I usually try to be a little controversial, same, same way on podcast. You know, if you don't say anything that not everybody believes or agrees with, right. And you're just all agree and high five and you're probably not going to be something people want to listen to. So, um, one of the things that, you know, I talk about David and Goliath and all this kind of little stuff, but as I think about this, I think uh, in, in the world and a lot of things we're looking at that independent pharmacy has to die. Now, what does that mean? So, you know, independent is all about being independent. And more and more today, and, and Steve's done some work with us trying to get independent pharmacy is going to have to be less independent. They're going to have to work together, you know, kind of a go big or go home. You know, this is kind of the independent pharmacy must die, long live independent pharmacy. So they're going to have to learn how to work together because bigger people than them with more money than them are trying to prey on them, right? And, and you only can defend yourself against bullies. You know, um, one of the biggest slave revolts, I think, or one of the first slave revolts was in some island, I think, in the Caribbean, when the, the slaves finally realized that they way outnumbered <laughs> the, the people that were keeping them down, and all they had to do was revolt at the same time, and they were free, right? I think, Steve, you've done some work in trying to pull PSAOs together. You know, today we have a 4,000 group over here and a 3,000 group over there and a 3,000 group over there. But, but we need a, a 10,000 group, right? We need to bring independence together. And, and we, we say things like, oh, well, it's like herding cats and, and you can't do it. But um, one of the things that I'm excited about, if anybody has a chance to do it, their technology provider has a chance to do it, right? Because mm -hmm. you can add consistency to things through their software. Uh, you can make things where they almost fall into it from their software. But um, I'm interested in, in kind of from both of you as you think about this, I need to be less independent to be successful. And I need to go big or go home. Help me with my speech for NCPA. Give me some, <laughs> give me some ideas about what you think people should be doing to do that. Great. So I, I guess um... – I was in prepping for today. You know, everybody's heard about Robinhood, you know, the, the trading platform. Yeah. Just a fascinating statistic there that they got to 4 million users in five years. Wow. It took E-Trade e 35 years to wow. get to that number. Um, and just in, in, in uh, 2020, I think it was mid-2020, they actually exceeded Schwab in the number of trades, right? So- and why do I bring that up? I bring that up because if you look at how they did it, this was about obviously a, a product that people like. I don't use the product, but they, it was a product that people must like. But it was all about data and all about kind of thinking differently in 
the retail trading market. And they were selling into a market that had a lot of tailwind, right? There was a lot of movement towards retail investors. And I, as I, I think about how I translate that into the pharmacy business, they've, you're right. We've got to work together in some ways. It doesn't mean you're giving up independence, but if there are things that you can do that are, are that you can't get independently, think about the data. You know, this is all about data. The reason that Amazon literally just in June of this year exceeded Walmart in retail sales and are now the literally not just e-commerce, but the biggest retailer in the world. They did it because they understood their customers better. They understood trends. They could leverage data in a way that others couldn't. So for me, when I look at the technology and and frankly, what we can deliver as RedSale, yeah, it's the tools. But it's also the data and how that data translates into innovation as our market moves. You know, that that to me is is a transformation of independent pharmacy. It's no longer independent pharmacy. Whatever the new name is, it's something different. But it has all the attributes and all the principles of independent pharmacy are still there. Right. That that persists. I would agree. I think they have to um, they have to get bigger or go home. Um, but the person who's going to make them get bigger has to bring value to them that they don't get today. So a lot of people have made a lot of money off retail independent pharmacists by getting people together and then keeping all the money, you know, like right. collecting, collecting the data and then keeping all the money or, uh, you name it. There's all kinds of things as you go through that, that, that have happened through the years. So there's a lot of cautious optimism out there. I think, a lot of independents believe they have to band together. And as you talk together, we have a 4,000 group here, 4,000. Ten years ago, we had no big group. So at right. least they are starting to. Um, but I do agree with you. I think you need a 10, 15,000 store group. But that group has to provide value to its members and to the stores um, or else it it won't work. And that's the one thing that people have to keep in mind as they try to build a group is if I'm an independent, I'm independent for a reason. I'm a good business person. I know how to take care of my patients. Why should I join your group? What value is there for me that doesn't exist today? And I could personally could not get that myself. If that happens, I think you'll see a lot of people flood to a group. You know, Jeff, I, I keep thinking a, a lot of the work that we're doing now is trying to figure out how to um, take 10,000 stores and um, help those 10,000 locations practice clinical pharmacy better, almost make it impossible not to practice clinical pharmacy better. And I think we're making some tremendous progress because that then the drug companies will start bringing money back in and the payers will start bringing money back in. As I'm listening, one of the themes also, if you say, hey, I'm an independent pharmacy, what I love about that is I'm an entrepreneur. I control my own destiny. I can I can provide the service the way I want. But I'm getting beat up because yeah. I'm not large. I'm also getting beat up because the, the system stacked because it knows the independence can't talk at scale. Right. And one of the themes keeps rattling through my brain is, is how, how do we give them a voice technologically at scale? Right. And, and so that they, they can communicate real time at scale yeah. on, on really important things. And. I haven't I haven't seen that solution out there, but so I keep in my brain I keep seeing these kind of network 
pipes that we add value. One's clinical that that we can totally change the way the the different constituency groups view the independence, and we make it really easy to pr- uh, to practice uh, clinical services. But the other is we got to figure out how to kind of open up their voice more right. rapidly. And I think technology is just the platform is just built to do it. And we just got to figure out how to, how to harness it. It's, it's not, it's kind of like, it's not a well-formed thought in my brain yet. I, I, I see the picture. Um, but that's one thing that all the groups can trust that the independents can't talk as one right now. Right. And doing it once a year at NCPA isn't enough. It's, they've got to be able to do it real time uh, as, the, as they're running their business. Well, and if you did it with one pharmacy software vendor, you solve most of those problems. I mean, clinical Medical billing is a perfect example. You know, um, Caterpillar, Caterpillar employees can go get a flu shot at CVS. They can't go to an independent. I was at Cardinal Health. We could go get a flu shot at CVS. We couldn't go to independents. Why? Uh, because nobody negotiated with the payer for the independents. Right. And why they didn't is because the, the payer wanted one billing. Yeah, it's hard to They do. wanted one place to send stuff. They wanted one place to get. Well, you have all that. So you could start negotiating on behalf of all your members and say, we'll bill however you, we'll bill as one, however you want us to. We'll, we'll look like a chain. Yep. You know, CVS sends me all these claims because I'm Caterpillar. Well, Pioneer will send all of its independence claims to Caterpillar. So if you did it as a software vendor, you solve all those problems. You don't have to worry about the 20 different retail independent software vendors all trying to get one standard. You just do it yourself. Yeah, this this is just like Shopify. I don't I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. know much about Shopify, but I, I you know we're much like that. We enable small businesses to be successful because we've are, we're doing that work, right? You've got to. Right. It's much easier for us to go work on some of those integrations and you know integrations with the payment systems or you know in Shopify's case, there's a bunch of different ways you can get paid. Um, you know the transaction systems and the credit cards and and the the so. You know, we have the tooling, we have the expertise that you just simply can't get. If I were to go and try to build a website on my own, a commerce website, I, I just couldn't do it as well as I could do it with, you know, some of these third party tools. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I, I like that comment. I think that's a really important part of the, the future. Yeah, I think the thing that you need to realize, it's funny being at Renlar, like Pioneer and then going to Cardinal. Um, the footprint you have in a pharmacy is so deep that you may not even understand it. When I was at Cardinal, I kept telling people, we have like a light footprint in a pharmacy. They're like, what are you talking about? We sell all their inventory. We're there every day. I'm like, yeah, but if our truck didn't show up, they would go get their drug somewhere else. They'd go down the street. If their pharmacy system's down, they shut the door and turn mm-hmm. the lights off. Right. So, I mean, it is so deep. You're in everything that they do. You can enable the future of retail independent pharmacy by, I mean, that group you're talking about banding together, you have all the wiring and all the plumbing to do that. You've just got to become a sales force for that group to the people who have money to, to pay them for services. And that's what software vendors have not done in the past. They've always off like PSAOs. They're in a software vendor. That's a PSAO. Right, because everybody does, nobody likes their PSAOs. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's one of the things we've talked about. Should hey, should should Pioneer offer PSAO? But nobody likes but a PSAO is a thing of the past. So yeah, that that service is already out there. But 
Who's negotiating with Caterpillar for them to do flea shots? Who's mm-hmm. negotiating for clinical services yeah, with true. the payers like United Healthcare? Nobody. Yeah. The PSAOs are talking to the hmm. PBM part of they're talking Optum. You need to be talking to United Healthcare and say, what clinical services can my 10,000 stores bring your and Optum has a lot of senior <laughs> citizens or United Healthcare does? What can we bring to your senior citizens? And then we'll do direct billing just like CVS does. Yeah. Three you know, and, and CPSN is doing some of that, but CPSN kind of pushes that all down to the le- local networks. And Caterpillar is not a local network, right? Caterpillar is a national, um, you know, really talking about direct employers. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You're talking about the the seniors there, and it made me think. The one thing that I, I always think about, one of the first board meetings we had, that we, we were talking about um, how do we bring value to this to the scaling that we're we're offering for the network and ted made a statement to me that really keeps resonating with me is hey scale's great but the network density is what's really really unique and innovative and i, I it's always sticking in my my brain ted and i was kind of hoping you could just kind of build on that a little bit uh today. yeah 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 sure um you know concentration matters right the density is how you how you define it and, you know, our network, independent pharmacy, serves par- segments of the population that simply aren't served by others. So, yes, we have, you know, a significant number of pharmacies that are, that are part of our organization or, you know, are using our products. But more importantly, if you look at the percentage of those um, of in, in their local markets and the types of markets that we serve, you know, the, yep. the, the population characteristics of, of, you know, the independent pharmacies, um, we represent a very, very significant, you know, our, we punch well above our weight, frankly, yeah. because this is a market that matters. This is a market in need. This is a market that's growing at, at you know, cause it tends to be a little older. These are, these are rapidly growing segments that the healthcare system simply cannot ignore. Um, so it's it's exciting that, yeah, that we talk about these numbers, um, but when you really think about those 22,000 independent pharmacies, those 22,000 independent pharmacies are in, not always, but in, in many cases, they're in areas or geographies that are underserved by others in the healthcare system. Yeah. So. It presents us with a really interesting opportunity to 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 just frankly highlight how important this is and the opportunities that exist. Yeah, that, that it's uh, as you said that to me, it, it it resonates as I spend a lot of time with Jeff and and the passion around saving, revitalizing independent pharmacy. There's uh, in in my mind now, uh, I've, I've been appreciating not just the opportunity, but frankly the responsibility um, that that we have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of, right now. And that's uh, a responsibility to a lot of what's rural health. And, and, yeah. and, and you, right. and you think about, um, you know, the life of these, these entrepreneurial, and I wish we could rename independent pharmacy, something else, you know, the, the, the big boxes stole community pharmacy term so that it probably everybody, I, you know, that it's still more, it's community pharmacy. It's in your community. You look at things that are likely to change with technology, Right. Um, we saw a little flash of it in the pandemic. Uh, people didn't in the pandemic flood to the big cities, right? They, they moved out. I think one of the best uh, housing markets in the country and growing is Billings, Montana, 
um, I saw on a list was the top 10. So, so people, and, and, and you go to Montana, you don't have a lot of big box stores because you're very spread out. You don't have that kind of density that makes their model work out. And, and so if you look at what may be a re-ruralification of America, right, um, community-based smaller pharmacies are going to be necessary. You're going to have to have a doctor there. You're going to have to have a, a pharmacy there. Um, if you go to national healthcare model where uh, drugs all of a sudden overnight are covered, right? We just drugs are covered in the United States. You know, you can see a model where they do drugs first before they do healthcare because it's easier. Um, so a lot of interesting things where h- how do we stay agile, right? How do we create this group that's really agile to move? Because that's supposed to be the cell of the entrepreneur, right? I-, I can make a decision and I can do this thing in my pharmacy tomorrow. Um, how do we do that? I've done it all my career by just listening to our customers. They'll tell you what they want. They'll tell you what they need. They'll coach you. I mean, you've got you got 10,000 entrepreneurs out there that you can tap into. I mean, not, not many people have that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was traveling last week, and I went to see a friend of mine's store, pull in the parking lot. And we were talking about pharmacy back in 1980 and pharmacy today. I pull in the parking lot. They're giving a COVID test to a person in a truck out in the parking lot. That never happened in pharmacy before. I walk in, they're giving COVID shots. I got 10 people in line for COVID shots. Um, and then they're filling all the prescriptions. And oh, by the way, this person's getting fitted for a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I mean, all yep. that stuff never, didn't happen five years ago in retail independent pharmacy. And, you know, I live in, you know, Columbus, Ohio area. Our COVID shots, I had to go to some big old, you know, factory kind of place that had been repurposed for, Getting, flu, getting COVID shots and there were lines of nurses and you had to wait 15 minutes and you sat in a chair and they stuck your arm. Yep. I mean, rural America, they just go to the independent pharmacy and they, they know Bob or Sue and you know it's all taken care of. They will tell you how to make the network the most effective network that you could ever imagine mm-hmm. if you just listen to them. Yeah, interesting story from Florida. When they first started, uh, you know, you, you first started uh, who could get the shots was the elderly and, and really trying to focus. And the, gov- uh, the, the governor first gave to uh, CVS and Walgreens the, uh, the shots to get to the nursing homes and to the, the pieces like that and um, gave them a deadline. Of course, that deadline hit and they hadn't done even near a portion of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they moved and gave that back to public health. And public health started calling who? The pharmacist, the independent pharmacist they knew about, you know, pick up the phone, uh, calling a, a guy named Eric we know outside of Orlando. Hey, you know, can can you help us get rid of these shots? We don't know what to do with them. And, of course, he said, yes, I can, right? And mm-hmm. you put down the phone and, like, okay, how are we going to do this, <laughs> right? And um, But and as we look at our, our customers back then, they were working 80 90 that you know i got i got text messages and emails at two o'clock in the morning giving me ideas of stuff to change right the workers at those big box stores clocked out when it was time to clock out mm-hmm. right and that's why they didn't didn't get it done because they didn't have the capacity to stretch and to volunteer and to do what needed to be done for the community. And today we have 22,000 locations out there who are willing to stretch and, and do that, that are entrepreneurial in their, in their communities. And 
Um, it's something that really got a lot of notice, I think, from public health when you when you and and from uh, even some of the big guys who are coming to us today and going, hey, we really want to. We saw what independent pharmacy can do. We really want to work with them. How how do we do it? Yeah, the COVID thing was a boom for independent pharmacy. They proved their value. Um, like I said, the guy that I went to see was in South Carolina. He was the first pharmacy to give COVID shots in South Carolina. Wow. Because mm. nobody could figure it out. Um, he said he gave like a thousand the first week. Yeah. They were doing them in the store. They yeah, were going yeah, to, it was crazy. Crazy they the numbers they were everything. doing. So it's, uh, they, they overshadowed what a lot of other people are doing and they proved that they're a valuable piece of healthcare. And now the, I think the, the onus is on us to say, how do we right. expand on that? How do we take that? and keep pushing and get them deeper and deeper into healthcare because people as consumers of healthcare, we need more access points. You try to go into healthcare today. It's hard. Yep. Well, there's, there's 22,000 independents out there that it's not hard. You walk in the front door, they'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen so many times where a person, you know, an ambulance ends up at independent pharmacy because a person walked in the door and didn't know what's wrong with them. They diagnosed and said, we need to get you to the hospital now. Yep. I mean, that's what they do. And if we can get them response, that responsibility and get them paid for it, overall, our health care is going to be better and patients are going to be better taken care of. You know, my, my parents, when they were trying to get their COVID shots, they, my mom, my dad's not uh, overly computer literate. So my mom was trying to have a Rite Aid down the street, trying to go on the Rite Aid website. And, it, and the website kept crashing, kept crashing, okay. kept crashing. And my mom's getting frustrated. And said, mom, one of our customers is Hometown Pharmacy. Just call Hometown. She picks up, picks up the phone, calls hometown. Two hours later, their shots are done. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. she was trying yeah. for days to interact with the chains, and and it, there was nobody on the other end that sincerely cared. You know, yeah. it was. Yeah, I, I yeah, love this idea of going direct to uh, of using red sale as an instrument to kind of go direct to employers you know, some of the bigger employers in the country, getting permission from our customers to say, hey, if we go to direct employers and, and we work out a deal, uh, will you participate, right? And so it's not really a PSAO. You're not, you're not going after PBMs, but you are going after helping them go after some of these big employers, especially where we have concentrations in North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Louisiana and Kentucky, where, you know, you drive five minutes, you hit another Pioneer Pharmacy. Yep. No, no, that's right. But we got to make it easy and easy for the employer and, and easy on the, the onboarding process for the, for the pharmacies that the technology has right. got to make that seamless. Well, and, and if you look at the kind of partners that you need on the technology side, you know, you have to have a technology company that's incredibly focused on your kind of a business, right? Um, this is what we do. This is, these are the kind of you know, we think every day, you guys think every day about the independent pharmacies and how we can respond um, in that in that circumstance when, you know, COVID happens and shots have to be administered. Changes need to happen to the tooling. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, a Rite Aid couldn't couldn't do it. You know, they maybe yeah. they do a lot of things really, really well, um, but you've got to have a crack team. You know, we're not we're not trying to build pharmacies. We're we're trying to build software that helps pharmacies. Yeah. So um, we're, we're getting toward the end of our time here. And I want to just kind of go around one little for, for the both of you guys with all of your experience and say, um, if you were an independent pharmacist today, entrepreneur, 
right? And, and we'll start with Ted. W- what would be the top thing that you'd be working on? I guess I I would be making sure that I've done two things. So I'm going to, maybe they're, they're paired. Okay. <laughs> One is um, really understanding what's coming down the the pike. Like how, what I, what should I be thinking about over the next two or three years? I mean, forget about 10 years. Let's just focus on that short term and, and begin taking a step back to understand how, what are the metrics that I can leverage to make sure that I'm most effectively positioned, right? From, from a, my business perspective. So, you know, I care a lot about the data. I care a lot about how do I determine those early, early signs? What are the KPIs that help me understand the direction of my business? And that translates into the technology, right? You got to make sure that you understand the technology and you're leveraging a technology that can give you appropriate data and appropriate connection points like we're talking about with, you know, non-pharmacy care. How do you get compensated? If I don't have data around that, I'm not going to be in a position to win in two years. Yep. All right. Okay. So, uh, Steve? Yeah, I would second that. I would just build on a little bit more. I would tell you the best pharmacists that I've seen know their community like the back of their hand. They know what their community needs. They're visionaries, like Ted said. They know what their community is going to need in two to three years, not what it needs today, but what it's going to need in two to three years. And they build that so that they're good at it by the time the community needs it. So, you know, they're they're doing vaccines, they're doing flu shots, they're doing home health care DME if, if the community needs it. If the community doesn't need it, they don't take it away. So, you know, in my days at Cardinal, the funny part was planogramming the front of a store for an independent is a waste of time if you don't know the community because right. the planograms are completely different for every independent pharmacy for a reason because every community they're in is different. And so I would if I were an independent pharmacist today, I would do the same thing. I would not be filling scripts at all. I'd have my staff do that. I'd be out in the community, understanding what the community needs, you know, taking the vaccines and flu shots to the community. You know, there's people that give seven, 800, a thousand flu shots outside of their store at industries Mm -hmm. in their community. Um, And we had people like that come into Cardinal, but it, you know, it wasn't an independent pharmacist. So, it's all about knowing your community and being a visionary and making sure you know what they're going to need from a healthcare perspective and build it in your pharmacy. And your pharmacy could look totally, should look totally different five years from now than it does today. If it doesn't, you're doing something wrong. If yep. your pharmacy is the same as it was five years ago, you may not be here five years from now. Yep. The best pharmacies I've seen, like I talked about the one I went to just last week, they weren't given COVID tests in the parking lot. You know, so if you're symptomatic, they're not bringing you in the store. They're giving you a, a, a COVID test in your vehicle. You know, if you're asymptomatic or if you just want to have a test, you go in the pharmacy. Yep. That stuff never happened. And that pharmacy, because of that, they built, they changed the pharmacy. The workflow's different. Yep. And they got to continue reinventing, reinventing themselves or else they'll they'll not be there. Well, Ted and Steve, we what we didn't do is list all the things you guys are currently doing. Y'all are both really busy guys, and 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 give a lot of your time not only to the community but to 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 still to to pharmacy. And um, I wanted to tell you how much we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys investing in being on the Red Cell board and and believing in us and and all the wisdom that you shared with us already uh, through our meetings and things we had and the things that we're going to do together to. Uh, 
to continue to improve healthcare in America and specifically independent pharmacy. So big thank you from from Craig. And Absolutely. Happy yeah, to be part of it. Yeah, thanks so, for the opportunity. Enjoyed it. We'll talk to you guys next time. All, All right, right, guys. See you. Take care. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.